Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to I Can't Make This Ish Up. So happy Black History Month. And I just want to welcome all of you back to my podcast. So this month, I wanted to highlight great African-Americans and some Caribbean on my podcast because why not, right? So just because it's Black History Month does not mean this has to be the only time that we highlight great African-Americans that have influenced American culture and society. However, I do want to take this time to kickstart it, put more emphasis on it and record a little bit more. So stay tuned while we learn about a new great African-American influencer in our society every day. Enjoy. So today I want to talk to you all about an inventor named Lewis Howard Latimer. Now, not too many people, if any that I know of, have ever heard of this great inventor. But let me tell you, he has been a part of so much that we call normal life that it's crazy that we have not heard his name. I mean, at this point, 2022, Lewis Howard Latimer should be as influential in our lives, in our history lessons as Thomas Edison and Alexander Graham Bell, because those are two of the people that he worked with the most during his life of living. So let's go ahead and start at the beginning and talk a little bit about his early life. Lewis Howard Latimer was born in Chelsea, Massachusetts on September 4th, 1848. The youngest of the four children of Rebecca Latimer and George Latimer. Before Lewis was born, his mother and father escaped from slavery in Virginia and fled to Chelsea, Massachusetts on October 4th, 1842. (sighs) Wow. So let's talk about that real quick. This man escaped from slavery or excuse me, his parents escaped from slavery in 1842. Okay, 1842. And just six years later after that, he was born. So he was born into a family that more than likely was extremely undereducated and extremely like under everything, like poverty, not well spoken, just struggling because they escaped from slavery. And now we're talking about how this man has influenced American society. Let's continue. So the day they arrived in Boston, George was recognized by a colleague of his former slave owner and was arrested a few days later on October 20th, 1842. George's trial received great notoriety. He was represented by Frederick Douglass and William Lloyd Garrison. Now, Frederick Douglass is somebody that we are going to talk about. And if you don't know his name, I need you to look it up and my next episode, whenever I have him as a feature, you will just continue to be amazed with the information that I have about him. But the fact that George Latimer was represented by Frederick Douglass in the trial is amazing in itself. Okay, so George was eventually able to purchase his freedom and live with his family in Massachusetts. So when Latimer was younger, he spent a lot of his time helping his father in the barbershop 
Louis Latimer also spent time at night hanging wallpaper with his father. So he learned a lot of trades. He learned how to, you know, live and take care of himself for the most part. And he also learned responsibility at an early age. When Latimer was 10, his mother decided to split the family after the Dred Scott case ruled individual slaves needed to prove that they had consent of their owner in order to legally become free. Many slaves at this time, such as the Latimers, had lived free by escaping into free states and becoming state citizens who often would not be sent back to their owners if apprehended by interstate slave catchers. This caused Lewis's father, George Latimer, to flee for the family's safety because he had nothing to prove he was free from enslavement. So he fled in order to protect his family. Again, if you are not familiar with the Dred Scott case, I highly encourage you to look it up. A lot of these things that I'm talking about, will be talking about, are things that I try to talk to my children about on a regular basis because I know these are not things that they're learning in school. And it is important for us as a people to educate our children so that our children can educate their friends because their friends also are not learning the full history of America the way that it should be taught. So let's continue. After his father had fled to flee and his mother had to split the family, Lewis and his brothers were sent to a farm school and his sisters were sent to stay with a family friend. Lewis Howard Latimer then joined the U.S. Navy. He joined the Navy at 15 years old on September 16, 1863 and served as a landsman on the USS Masoy. After receiving an honorable discharge from the U.S. Navy on July 3, 1865, he gained employment as an office boy with a patent firm, Crosby, Halstead & Gold, with a $3 per week salary. He learned how to use a set square ruler and other drafting tools. Later, after his boss recognized his talent for sketching and patent drawings, Latimer was promoted to the position of head draftsman, earning $20 a week by 1872. Which, $20 a week, I'm sure back then in the late 1800s was a lot. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing I'm doing in my life ever for $20 a week. However, the $20 a week he was making back then equates to $438 today. Which, still is not much. But, I guess, you know, for drawing stuff for patents... I guess it's not bad, but yeah, so there's that. So let's continue later on to his life. Latimer married Mary Wilson Lewis on November 15th, 1873 in Fall River, Massachusetts. She was born in Providence, Rhode Island, the daughter of Louisa M. and William Lewis. The couple had two daughters, Emma Jeanette and Louise Rebecca. Jeanette married Gerald Fishburton Norman, the first black person hired as a high school teacher in the New York City public school system, and had two children, Winifred Latimer Norman, a social worker who served as the guardian of her grandfather's legacy, and Gerald Latimer Norman, who became an administrative law judge. Now, let's just talk about how beautiful this family history is. So this man was born to escaped slaves 
And his father was still running from interstate slave catchers because of the Dred Scott case and owners trying to recover their property, quote unquote. And this man was able to accomplish so much in his life and produce children who continued to accomplish so much to the fact that his daughter married a man who became the first black man hired as a high school teacher in the public school system. A judge is one of his legacies. A social worker is one of his legacies. I mean, you couldn't ask for something more beautiful and something more precious than to be able to look at your family tree and say, my parents were slaves. And from my parents, they produced nothing but greatness. This man wrote patents, invented things for our society, had children that were great additions to society. And they made sure they made the choice to marry people who also influence society. So this is just, I mean, this is a great piece of history that I pray that you all remember and talk to your friends, family, kids, spouses, everybody about this man. Okay. So in 1879, Latimer and his wife, Mary, moved to Bridgeport, Connecticut, along with his mother, Rebecca, and his brother, William. They settled in a neighborhood called Little Liberia, which had been established in the early 19th century by free blacks. Now, I've never heard of Little Liberia, but I'm definitely going to research that because there are a lot of areas that black people have tried to create a safe space and somehow they disappear, they become destroyed, or they're ridden with drugs, crime, and other things. So definitely going to research that and we'll revisit that in a new episode. Okay, um, so other family members already living there were his brother, George A. Latimer, and his wife, Jane, and his sister, Margaret, and her husband, Augustus T. Hawley, and their children. Mary died in Bridgeport in 1924. So let's talk about his inventions and his patents, okay? So in 1874, Latimer co-patented with Charles M. Brown an improved toilet system for railroad cars called the Water Closet for Railroad Cars. The U.S. patent is 147363. Now, let's just give this man a round of applause for the fact that he allowed us to be able to use the bathroom while we're on these trains. So when we're on Amtrak, we're not over there struggle bubbling and trying to sleep through our pee. Okay. In 1876, Alexander Graham Bell, ding, ding, ding. Remember I mentioned his name earlier? He employed Latimer and Latimer was a draftsman at Bell's patent law firm to draft the necessary drawings required to receive a patent for Bell's telephone. So let's just also give this man a round of applause for the simple fact that those of us who remember rotary phones, okay, or, you know, just phones in general, without his skill to draw as beautifully as he did, that patent might have taken just a little bit longer, okay? In 1879, he moved to Bridgeport, Connecticut and was hired as an assistant manager and draftsman for the U.S. Electric Lighting Company, a company owned by Hiram Maxim, who was a rival of Thomas A. Edison. 
While Latimer was there, he invented a modification to the process for making carbon filaments, which aimed to reduce breakages during the carbonization process. This modification consisted of placing filament blanks inside a cardboard envelope during carbonization. While in England, on behalf of the Maxim Light Company, he taught the entire process for making Maxim Lights, including glass bowling, in nine months in order to get the factory up and running. Now that is amazing. Because nowhere in my research did it show that this man was formally trained or educated in any of this, okay? In 1884, he was invited to work with Thomas Edison. Along with the work he did with Edison, he was also responsible for translating data into German and French. This man translated, did you hear me? He translated data into German and French, okay? German and French. I speak English, Patois, Ebonics. A sprinkle and a dab of some Spanish. A sprinkle and a dab of some German. A sprinkle and a dab of Japanese. But I don't speak anything well enough. Well, okay, mine's English and Patois. But I don't speak any foreign language, like any European foreign language, well enough to translate nothing. Especially not talking about something as important as a patent. Like, that's amazing. Okay, so I just went on my little rant. <sighs> Latimer also developed a forerunner of the air conditioner called Apparatus for Cooling and Disinfecting. In 1894, Latimer pursued a patent on a safety elevator which prevented the riders from falling out and into the shaft. Again, thank you, Latimer, for saving our lives, okay? Because I don't know why anybody didn't think about that when they invented the elevator, but we appreciate you for taking a step back and be like, mm, this is a common sense invention, and I'm going to go ahead and do that so I can get this patent and get this recognition, which he didn't get the recognition, but he is now, okay, on this podcast, so make sure that you're listening. And taking notes. In 1924, after the Board of Patent Control dissolved, Latimer went on to work with Hammer and Schwartz until he retired. On February 11, 1918, Latimer joined the Edison Pioneers. Louis Latimer was the first person of color to join this group of 100. Latimer received a patent on September 13, 1881 for the electric lamp an improved design for producing light using electricity and another on January 17, 1882 for the process of manufacturing carbons, an improved method for the production of carbon filaments for light bulbs. The Edison Electric Light Company in New York City hired Latimer in 1884 as a draftsman and an expert witness in patent litigation on electric lights. While at Edison, Latimer wrote his first book on electric lighting entitled Incandescent Electric Lighting, and supervised the installation of public electric lights throughout New York, Philadelphia, Montreal, and London. Now, I don't math too well, but he wrote a book and went to supervise, not do the installation, but supervise the installation of public electric lights throughout New York, Philadelphia, and Montreal, and London. So, 1890 roundabouts, right? When did I say his parents fled from slavery? They fled from slavery in 1842. 
1842. And here we are in 1890 and their son is accomplishing all of this stuff. I don't math too well, but that's about 50 years or so, right? Once again, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Now, when that company was combined in 1892 with the Thomas Houston Electric Company to form General Electric, he continued to work in the electric in the legal department. In 1911, he became a patent consultant to law firms. That is amazing. 1911, he became a patent consultant to law firms. And he is the product of direct slaves who escaped to freedom. Then his father was arrested, returned, well, taken to trial, won his freedom, and then had to split his family up to escape interstate slave catchers, all for their son to become this prominent figure in American history. That is, that is a jewel. That is a jewel. And it's unfortunate that not more people know about him because I've never really heard of him and nobody that I know of has ever spoken about him. So if anybody that I've come into contact with knows about this man, kudos to you. However, shame on you for not telling me and educating me on this prominent black man in American history. Now let's talk about other talents and works before I go on my rant. He also wrote a book of poetry called Poems of Love and Life. His technical book, which I spoke about earlier or referenced earlier, is Incandescent Electric Lighting. He wrote various pieces for African-American journals. And he also wrote a petition to Mayor Seth Lowe to restore a member to the Brooklyn School Board. Latimer played the violin and the flute, painted portraits, and wrote plays. He was an early advocate of civil rights. In 1895, Lewis wrote a statement in connection with the National Conference of Colored Men about equality, security, and opportunity. Latimer taught English and drafting courses to immigrants at the Henry Street Settlement in New York. For 25 years, from 1903 until his death in 1928, Latimer lived with his family in a home on Holly Avenue in what is known as East Flushing, section of Queens, New York. Latimer died on December 11, 1928, at the age of 80. Approximately 60 years after his death, his home was moved from Holly Avenue to 137th Street in Flushing, Queens, which is about 1.4 miles northwest of its original location. His legacy that he left behind includes him as being an inductee of the National Inventors Hall of Fame for his work on electric filament and manufacturing techniques. The Latimer family house is on Latimer Place in Flushing, Queens. It was moved from the original location to a nearby small park and turned into the Lewis H. Latimer House Museum in honor of the inventor. Latimer was a founding member of the Flushing, New York Unitarian Church. A set of apartment houses in Flushing are called Latimer Gardens. PS 56 in Clinton Hill, Brooklyn is called Lewis H. Latimer School. An invention program at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology is named after him. On May 10, 1968, a school in Brooklyn, New York was rededicated to the Lewis H. Latimer School in his memory. In 1988, a committee was formed in the Lewis H. Latimer Committee in order to save his home in Flushing, New York.
Well, I want to thank you all for learning and listening with me about Lewis Howard Latimer. I think it was so awesome and super fulfilling to learn about somebody that I honestly have never heard of. And I mean, Black History Month is a time where we should highlight great Blacks and then continue to talk about them throughout the year and throughout our lives. But most times, Black History Month is centered around the few prominent Black people that history has decided are the important ones. Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, Madam C.J. Walker, but we don't hear about the unspoken ones. And those are the ones that I want to highlight this month. I may bring up some of the ones that we normally hear about just because they've done great things in society and deserve their moment to shine. But I do think that the unspoken heroes of Black America are just as important. So I hope that you tune in and listen to the future episodes as we continue to highlight the unspoken Black history makers of African American history, Black History Month, Black History Year, and just Black history altogether. I pray that you all stay blessed, stay hydrated, mind your business, and educate those around you. Love, light, and peace.